Welcome to the podcast of Encounter Ministries, where your past has no future and your hope is reborn. For more information, go to www.godenc.com. How many looking forward to the new year? Amen. I want to challenge you. How, how many in this room, you've read the Bible from cover to cover at least once in your life? Put your hand up. That's good. That's good. That means there's a lot of the people here this morning you haven't yet. Even if you have done it, I, I honestly, I, I can't tell you how many times I've read it cover to cover, but it never gets old. It always has life. And, and we're about to go into January 1st. I want to challenge you to think about reading the Bible through from cover to cover. In fact, if you're just an average reader, uh, you, you can read the Bible through in about 15 minutes a day. Folks, that's not a long time. Some of you, if you brush your teeth three times a day, you spend 15 minutes a day brushing your teeth. 15 minutes a day, you stick with it all year round, you can read your Bible through. I can't think of a better thing to do in your life this year than to start to get a word of God into your heart. Word of God not only brings life, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. If you want more of life in 2013, read your Bible. You want more of the Word of God to be planted down in your heart, read your Bible. The Bible not only brings life, but you know what the Bible is? It's spirit. The Bible brings joy. Now, there are some hard parts in there. There are some things that are hard to digest and get into your heart. But but the Bible brings joy. It's spirit. It's life. It's even more than that. David teaches us that it protects us from sin. How many would like to sin less in 2013? Okay, for the five of you that didn't put your hand up. I'm starting to see a problem here. David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hiding the Word of God in your heart will, will keep you from sin. And you know what else it does? Sometimes, just sometimes, it's kind of like taking a vitamin. I don't know what a vitamin does, but they say it does you good. Your body knows what to do with that stuff. The Bible says that the, that the, the Spirit of God can bring to your remembrance those things when you need Him to bring those things to your remembrance. But he can't bring to your remembrance things you don't know. And and I can't tell you the number of times when I've been facing difficulties as a person that the Holy Spirit hasn't brought to my mind scriptures that I read. And they help me. The Word of God is a very real help. And, And in just 15 minutes a day, you can get the Word of God. You can read it from cover to cover. In fact, I'm hoping sometime this spring... We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take three or four days. It actually takes 96 hours, they tell me, to read the Bible from cover to cover if you're reading it 24 hours a day. And we're going to sign up, and we're going to try to get 96 crazy people to come in here, and we just, we just fill the atmosphere with the Word of God. And we just start somewhere, and the plan is that on Sunday morning, as we're gathering in here, somewhere about 11... 10 or 11.05, we're finishing the last book of the Bible, and we go right into service, having permeated the, 
the presence and the atmosphere with the presence of the Word of God. The Word of God changes things. And I want to encourage you to, to determine right now that you're going to read the Bible through this year. Get the Word of God down in your heart and let it change you. Get, bury it down in there just by reading it and, 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 and just filling your life and your spirit with it. In the Old Testament, you know, when the children of Israel were going through the desert, they, that, that God created manna on the ground in the morning to get them going for the day. And it was called bread. It's not a coincidence that our Bible is also called the bread of life. And I, I can't think of a better way to start your day than to start first thing in the morning for just 15 minutes, folks. 15 minutes is nothing. Just 15 minutes. Just, if you have to get up 15 minutes earlier, get ready for work. And before you walk out the door, sit down on your couch and grab your Bible and begin to read it. You say, I need my beauty sleep. Well, some of us, it ain't helping anyhow. Okay? It just isn't working. And so let's just forget the beauty sleep thing. Let's, let's get the Word of God in us. I want to tell you, folks, it can change your life. It is not one of those things that you do it three days and it blows your life up and everything's good. But the reality is it changes your life. In fact, we made it easier. If you've got a computer, if you have an iPhone or an or a iPad or a smartphone of any sort, you can go to uversionbible.com. Um, sign up for an account. It doesn't cost you anything. You just have to provide them your email address and a password. That gives you an account on Uversion. Then you can look in the, do a search in the Bible reading for the group called Encounter. It's the name of the church. Search for Encounter. That allows you to join a group. I like to be accountable to people. And that allows you to join a group, and then you also then can join up, choose a Bible reading plan that help you read through the Bible. So you don't have to guess how much to read every day. It will give you a set amount to read every day. Now, I personally like the plan in there. It's simply called the one-year plan. And, and what that means is this. is You know, the problem with so many Bible reading plans is you start off in the book of Genesis, and somewhere in... Numbers or Leviticus, most people die. Okay? You just can read so many begots and so many bad things. And so, so that, that isn't usually a good way to read your Bible. Don't just start off in Genesis 1 and run and, and, and read through. And so what that plan, this plan that I'm talking about does is it gives you excerpts from different places in the Bible. And, and so that you're, you, you, know, you can get a little bit of good stuff from the New Testament and a little bit of Leviticus on the same day. And that way you just don't die out in the desert, okay? But go to uh, uversion.com, sign up, look for the group called Encounter. We'll also have a link on our, our webpage. You can, you can sign up through that. I want to encourage you to get the Bible into you this year. I want you to be here at this. This is our last service of 2012. I, I want you to be here in our last service of 2013 and your life be even better than it is now. And if the Word of God couldn't affect lives, what are we even doing? It changes lives. It will absolutely change your life because it will change you. And when it changes you, it will start to help you to walk into the destiny God has for you. 
I want to encourage you to go into your Bibles and, and, and to, uh, get, go on to you version, sign up, and I want to encourage you to read your Bible through this year. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Turn to the person next to you and say, we're about to get into the Word. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Apologize to the sound guys. I just realized I didn't give them that text this morning. Maybe they'll catch up with me very quickly. You know how it is when you've been away for a few days, just to get back in the groove of things? Don't you hate that? Mark chapter 10, beginning of verse 17. For the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about a subject I've entitled, When the Love of God is Not Enough. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Speaking of Jesus, it says this. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, we we thank you that we're gathered here in this place, and we're not in this building alone. Your presence is here. By the power of your Holy Spirit, your presence is here. And you're you're here to encourage and direct us and strengthen us. And Father, by the power of your word, I claim that it will not return void. It will accomplish that which you have sent it to do. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, see the church. It's just a couple of days before 2013. Wow. Did last year seem to go fast for you? Some people are shaking their head yes. Some people are saying, man, it dragged on forever. Here's a reality. Hell did everything it could to stop you this year. It withheld nothing. If hell had anything in its arsenal that was guaranteed to stop you, it would have used it. If hell had anything that could have stood a good chance of you not being here, it would have used that. The reality is you're still drawing breath. The reality is... That all year long, whether you had a great year or a bad year, whether you succeeded or you failed, the reality is 
Here it is near the end of 2012 and you're still in the game. And if you think you're frustrated, think of what hell threw at you this year. And you stood up and with the help of God brushed it off and you're still moving forward. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel good. Amen. Amen. You may have felt like you won the year or you lost. You may have felt like you did great or bad or it was mixed. But the reality is, right now, you're still in the game. You're still drawing breath and you still have a heart for God or you wouldn't be here this morning with this kind of weather. That's a victory, folks. The reality is, the thing that hell doesn't want you to know is, as long as you're still in the game, you're winning. And I'm winning today. I'm still in the game. I thank God for the year that we've had. There's been a lot of good things that have happened. The year has certainly had a lot of challenges, been difficulties. And you know what? 2013 is not going to be any different. When the year is over, we're going to be able to look back and see some good things that have happened and some challenges. But here's one thing that was true at the end of last year and the year before and the year before and will be true at the end of this year and next year and the next year. And that is that Jesus Christ is Lord and God still loves you. That's a certainty that you and I can stand on. So that no matter what we face this year, the reality is there is a God who is incredibly in love with your heart. I believe the love of God is all-powerful. I believe that the love of God changes lives. I'm believing that this movement, this awakening that's happening in the body of Christ is going to be awakening of the real love of God. Where the church is going to get out of the judgment business... And they're going to get into the loving business where we should have been all along. They're going to get the, they're going to get the log out of their eye and not be concerned with a speck in somebody else's eye. The only thing they're going to be concerned with is the love of God in their heart when their focus will simply to be the, the, the vessel of God that he uses to love somebody through. And the only way you can do that is to not have any judgment or opinion, to not go into it with any attitude, but but to be reminded of how much God loves you and He desires to love somebody else. I believe that everything we do ought to be a simple response to the love of God. And yet, there is a part that we play. I know that God's love can forgive beyond your, even your ability to comprehend. I'm just amazed at God's ability to forgive people. I've seen some of the rankest people get saved. Sometimes I had a front row seat. How many know what I'm talking about? A number of years ago, I got mad because my, I got word that my dad was in the hospital and, and he had taken his health had taken a dramatic turn for the worse and they didn't expect him to live an hour. And I lived three and a half, almost four hours away. My dad wasn't a Christian. He, up until that point, was the meanest, hardest person I'd ever met in my life. I remember wondering what's going to happen to him if he dies without God. 
I called a local minister and I said, listen, I just got word my dad's in the hospital. I'm heading out, I'm heading there to go see him, but he may not live until I get there. You just live two miles up the road from the hospital. Will you go to the hospital? And will you visit my dad? And would you challenge him for God? Would you, would you ask him, would you explain to him salvation? And would you ask him to give his heart to God? It's a church of God pastor. He said, I'll, I'll go visit your dad, but I'm not going to challenge him for salvation. I don't do that. I said, then you're about worthless. Stay home. I don't need you to pet my dad's hand as he slips into hell. I need you to step in front of him. Now I know that that was a good thing that he said that. Because I'll tell you the truth. If that man had gone and prayed with my father and then passed away before I got there, to this day I'd have never believed it. I'd have never believed somebody that hard could get saved. I'm just being honest with you. I remember making that frantic drive to the hospital and getting into the room and my dad was fully conscious, fully awake and nobody else was there and we had a, you know, just a few minutes of exchange and I sat down in his bed and looked him in the eye and said, Dad, I need you to be quiet for a while. I'm going to tell you about God and what it means to be saved. And I shared with him not the Romans road. I shared him with, with him Mike's road. What God had done for me. When I got done, I looked at him. I said, Dad, it's now your call. Are you ready? My dad that afternoon gave his heart to God. He, for the first time I saw this hard-nosed Navy man bow his head and cry. The most personally dramatic salvation I've ever seen. It's like you literally saw it wiped over his face. We hugged for the first time. I said, I love you. And he said, I love you back for the first time. I, after a while, I left the hospital and I went back home and that night when I got home, Gail Beth says that your mom has called. She wants you to call back. And I called her back, and she had been to the hospital about an hour after I had left there. And this was her words to me. What did you do to your father? I said, what do you mean? And she started to cry. And she said, that man is the man I always wished I had been married to the man I met in the hospital today. God can change a life. The love of God. You see, and I needed to see that, Joey. I needed to see that. I needed to see that come over him. And so I have no doubt he only lived a few more hours after that. He didn't make it to the next morning. But I had no doubt when I saw this come over him that, that if God could save him, God God can save anybody. 
There is nobody too hard for God to save. That the love of God is incredibly capable of changing a human heart. He's changed mine. But there does come a time when the love of God is stopped cold. And in this story, Jesus has just left a scene where the children had been brought to him and and the disciples are trying to send him away. And you know the whole story. He tells them, you guys don't get it. They need to come to me. And then here comes this rich young ruler is what we call him. And he throws himself at Jesus' feet and he says, good master, what do I yet lack? I'm a pretty decent individual. What do I got to do? And Jesus said, you know what you got to do. You got to do this, 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 this. He's, he's playing with him. He's trying to send a message home to him. And he said, you got to do all of these things. He said, I, I've done all those things. I've been doing those since I was a kid. You see, this is a good guy. This is a guy that shows up on the Wheaties box in Israel. I mean, he's just a, a good, good guy. And he said, Master, I've been doing this ever since I was a kid. And you know that. The Bible says that Jesus looked at him and said, there's one thing you lack. Do you know that most of us, can I I be real simple with you? I don't like New Year's resolutions. It just basically turned into a yearly lie for me. How many know what I'm talking about? All right. How many's there? Okay. It's just, it's maybe a well intentioned lie, but it often boils down to just that. And, and the reality is, if your 2012 kind of stunk without a change, 2013 is going to kind of stink. You know what I'm saying? If you get dog doo-doo on your shoes, walking in the house thinking it's making them clean isn't going to help you none. It is going to get you in hot water with mama. Until you clean your shoes or change your shoes, guess what? They're still going to stink. Make sure my son gets a copy of this message and listens to it. All right. The reality is, most of us in this room, if I were to ask you, what is keeping you from more of God in your life, most of us be able to pop off the answer. It might be a relationship. It might be an attitude. It might be a bad habit. It just, and some of you even right now who don't want to agree with that, you're saying, I don't want to agree with that, but you're fighting back that one thought. Because <laughs> you know what it is. And you know what the enemy loves to do? He loves to make it complicated because when it becomes complicated, it becomes confusing. And when it becomes confusing, we just give up. When I look at... The reason I don't read instruction manuals 
No, no. They're, they're just, how many, how many men know what I'm talking about? Real men don't read them things. We know. We just have this infinite wisdom about putting the toys together. And even in the face of adversity, but dad, it doesn't work. Yeah, they built that thing wrong. They're just bad design, bad design. Jesus, maybe those parts that are left over. No, that had nothing to do with it. Nothing at all. Just bad design. The reality is the enemy sometimes wants to make it more confusing and more complicated than it really is. I'm 50 plus years old. If every year of my life I just took on one thing and improved it, I'd be 50 times better than I am right now. How many of you could stand to be 20 times or 30 times or 40 times or 50 times better than you are right now? How many think the person next to you could stand some of that too? But did you catch this? Here's what Jesus, when the young man said, Master, I've been doing this from my youth. And the Bible says that Jesus loved him. I don't know how that was expressed. I don't know how that the writer of this gospel saw that. It didn't say that he said to him, I love you. He did something. I don't know if he just took his hand in his face. I don't know if he I don't know if he hugged him, tickled him. I don't know. But somehow the writer knew, and this word love does not just say, you know, we're so flippant with the word. This this says he's moved at this young man. He loved him. And said, There's something you yet lack. Now, so many preachers have gone on to make this a scripture about money. It's not about money. You see, in reality, it's really not about that one thing in your life. It's not about that relationship that you know you shouldn't be in and you are. It's not about that thing you do in secret that you think nobody sees but God does. It's, it's not about that. It's, it's not about what you did way back when, or what was done to you way back when, or what you did yesterday, or what was done to you yesterday. The reality is, it's all about your heart. When he looks at you, he doesn't look at your life, he looks at your heart. And what he was saying to this young man is, you know what the real problem is? You've sold out to me 99% of the way. And you're still holding on to something. And that's the problem. It's like a husband and wife standing at the altar about to be married. And the wife says to her husband, do you want to be here? Pretty much. Kind of, yeah. Most of the way. I'm 95% committed to this relationship. Guys, don't try that. She won't understand your reasoning. 
I'm thankful I didn't have that problem. I saw my wife. I loved her. Uh, she was gorgeous as she came into the building. I couldn't wait for us to share our vows. Dove off, jumped off, didn't check for a parachute, didn't care. And you know what? God wants the same thing out of you. That one thing, you know what's real funny? It's not that He wants you to give up that one thing. He wants you to want to give up that one thing. Sometimes He gives it back to you. Sometimes He doesn't. You see, we, we, we miss a story. When, when God told Abraham to take Isaac up onto the mountain and sacrifice him, God didn't want Isaac. He wanted Abraham. Are you getting this? It's time for some of you to quit flirting with your God-given destiny and fall in love with it and make love to it. 2013 needs to be a time where you just throw off all restraints and you say, ah, just everything else out of my life is unimportant. I want God's will for my life. And you throw everything out. That doesn't mean you get rid of your husband, your wife, your kids. That means you make them less important to you than your relationship with God. And if anybody doesn't hate their father and mother and husband and wife and children, they're not fit for the kingdom of God. When you are totally sold out, that doesn't mean you hate them. It means when somebody compares it, you are so far in love with God that even your love for your spouse looks like hate in comparison. It's time that you sell out. It's a time that you deal with the one thing. And the one thing is your heart. You may have seen the old Billy Crystal movie, and the name of it just slipped out the back of my head. But he leaves New York City with a friend, and they go to a dude ranch. City slickers. And they're riding along, and the, you know, the old hard-nosed guy, and Billy Crystal's having a conversation with him, and Billy Crystal finally asked him, How come you're happy and I'm not? And the old guy said, Because of the one thing. Billy Crystal said, Well, what's the one thing? He said, That's what you've got to find out. Because, see, his one thing is different than her one thing. Your, your Isaac may have a different name. But it still needs to be dragged up the mountain. Amid all the questions and all the doubts. Against all the naysayers. And you still got to be willing to put your Isaac on the altar. Because God was not wanting Isaac that day. He was wanting Abraham. He wanted all of Abraham. Because God had great things he was going to give to Abraham. But he wasn't going to trust Abraham with all those great things until he had all of Abraham. 2013 is the year to give God all. And so this young man, he, you see, he had allowed this thing to get too deep in him. He, it wasn't that he had great riches, it's that great riches had him. 
And even though, even though the Son of God Himself had just loved on Him, He walked away and grieved. New International Version says, and was very sorrowful. Think about that. The love of God for Him was not enough. Even though the writer of the Gospel saw it, even though billions of people now down through the years knew that Jesus loved this young man, guess what? On that day, in that moment, the love of God was not enough for him. You know, you gotta, we got to be careful. Our heart is a funny thing. The enemy, even, even prior to our birth, can put things into our life. They can be passed down to us. And you can sit and stew and whine and complain about how bad it is. And I don't mean it to sound the way that came out. You, you, but, but all the complaining doesn't change it. As a young boy, I had a terrifying nightmare. You know, I, I, I'm sure I was wide awake, but to make a very long story short, I was laying in my bed and the hallway light was on. And, and as I looked out into the hallway, a man, a man stepped into my doorway. And he is crystal clear to me to this day. He had black shoes on, black pants, and an avocado-colored turtleneck shirt, but he had no head. And he just stepped into my doorway, and I say faced me. I assumed he was facing me. He didn't have a face. And and it was just, you know, to be three or four years old, that's just terrifying. And it, it had haunted me, if that's the right word, for years of my life. Fast forward, I'm 45 years old. I'm in another state. I, I rarely have ever shared that story with anybody. In fact, up until a few years ago, I, other than my wife and my family, nobody ever knew what happened. But I'm in a room with a guy whose ability, his, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Jewish man, but he's a evangelical Jew. He's given his heart to God. And, and, and he has the ability to, to discern spirits and to see in the spiritual realm and I go into his office and I sit down and we talk for just a moment. And he said, tell me about the guy. So what guy? He said, the guy who stood in the doorway when you were three or four years old. And I said, okay, he has black pants on. He, had a, he said, no, not all that. Tell me what his face looks like. I'm trying to think, how do I say this? How do you tell somebody? God didn't have a head. He said, you can't tell me what he looks like in the face, can you? And I said, no. He said, could it be because he didn't have a head? And I said, that's it? I said, how did you know that? I'm 600 miles from where I grew up. I've met you for the first time. How did you know that? He said, because he's standing behind you right now, and I'm sick of looking at him. And I said, who is it? He said, it's the spirit of murder that killed your grandfather, and now he's been assigned to you, and he's been following you all the days of your life. 
How did he know my grandfather was murdered? He said, if you want him gone, we can make him gone right now. You know how hard that was? I want him gone. (laughs) I didn't have to kind of get back with you on this. And you know what, folks? Sometimes, sometimes, I know life is complicated sometimes. I know it's hard, but, but sometimes it's as easy as that. Wilt thou be made whole? Will you let the love of God be enough? You know how I wish this story would have ended up? I wish the young man, having just been loved by Jesus, I wish he'd have said, you or money? Whoa, dude. Take it. I want you. That's how I wish the story ended. That's how I wish it, it had really come to pass. But, but unfortunately, this, this man makes a bad choice. He weighs the money and he weighs the love of God and he says, and the reality is he's let these things get too ingrained into his heart. Let me encourage you right now. Right now this morning, in just a moment, we're going to go into worship. Right now, while we're worshiping, would you just lift whatever it is in your heart to God? Right now, would you put yourself in front of Jesus? And while he's loving on you, would you not make the same mistake this young man did? Would you just, while he, when he asked you for that one thing, that one thing that's keeping you from selling out to him, would you just go ahead and say, take it? Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a wound. Maybe it's a disappointment. Maybe it's your hope for your future. Maybe it's your plans. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's somebody. Would you lay that down before God this morning? And would you just say, at the end of 2013, I want to know what would have happened to that young man if he just said, shoot, that ain't nothing. Take it all. I want Jesus. Because guess what? We could be reading a very different story We may never know what would have happened to that young man if he had sold out to God in that moment. In that moment when God was loving him, we may never know what would have happened if he would have just sold out. And can I tell you one of the dangers I see in the church today is we we have created a God who serves us instead of serving a God who created us. We got this weird idea that you and I can come to God anytime we want. Can I tell you that's not true? Unless the Spirit draw a man. I've seen weddings that were scheduled at a certain time and didn't come off. Because the person didn't show up at time, on time. 
And we, 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 uh, we need to know that you come to God when God calls for you. Not whenever you, whenever you just feel like it. Give me an amen. This young man's time to sell out was right then when God was loving him. That was the time to throw all caution to the wind and, and dive into the love of God. And he, he, he weighed the matter. And he walked away sorrowful, and we'll never know what the end result of that was. I've seen people who thought they were going to give them another chance to get God into their life, and they never got it. I've seen people who thought they would have another opportunity to make things right, to, to work out their own salvation, and they never worked it out. And I've seen them at the altar, and now they're, they're, they've had pushed God off and pushed Him off, and told him no, and told him to wait. Can I tell you something? If you're going to get married someday, and your spouse is standing at the altar, do not text them and say, I'll be there when I get a chance. And if we don't expect that from a spouse, how much less should we expect that out of God Almighty? Can I tell you I may be striving to be on the cutting edge of what God is trying to do, but there are some realities that don't change. He's God, and you and I are not. And when he says, now is the time of salvation, now's the time. When he loves on us and says, now is the time to give me that pain, guess what? Now's the time. You don't come to him later and say, hey, let's talk about this again. When he says now, it's, it's now. I will forever be indebted to my father. Of all the mistakes he made, I'll give him this. When he said something, that became law. And you didn't tell my dad, if I get around to it, not right now. Now, he may have enforced it the wrong way, but you know what? When I got saved, I had no problem understanding there was a God in heaven and he's in charge. And when he says, son, deal with this sin now, guess what? Now, amen, I want you to rewrite your story. You see, the enemy, he wants you in this service in 2013. He wants you to be right where you are right now. He wants you to be still struggling with that pain, still struggling with that issue, still struggling with that relationship, still struggling with that sin. He wants you still in bondage to that secret sin. He wants you still in bondage to that alcohol, that drug, that pornography, that attitude, that hurt. That He wants you still stuck with that. He wants you, like this young man, to be face-to-face -face with the love of God and to walk away full of sorrow. I want you this morning to be in the presence of a God who loves you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. For more information, go to www.godenc.com.